Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell-West. We come to you from um, actually sunny um, South Buckinghamshire. It's, um, it's quite spring. nice out there. Yes, we're not allowed to go out, but spring has definitely sprung out there. Um, and and the current emergency is is emerging into a, a bright sunlit um, upland. <laughs> up up uh, shining uplands are uh, can be seen, uh, but as we say, we're only allowed out there uh, for brief periods every day. Um, we are here to uh, fulfil your hours of extended new stay at home leisure with uh, talk about role playing games. We're going to be talking about evil. And we're going to be talking about uh, making good out of the current circumstances. And other we... joyful and encouraging things of that sort. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, being, we're being determinedly upbeat and smiling at each other across the video link. Um, so, uh, first of all, uh, Roger would like to thank some people. Yes, we've had contributions from Brian Parker, and PayPal didn't tell me about those, so thank you and apologies, Brian. And from David Cantrell, uh, if you would like to join these uh, excellent and uh, I'm sure devilishly handsome people, uh, just so, send, send us uh, money to paypal.me slash rogerbw. Our gratitude will be expressed. And the next thing is... There are two offers at the Bundle of Holding, which have some factors in common. They were both originally published as paperback books in the 1980s, because mm. clearly paperback books were the future of role-playing games. Puffin certainly put a lot of money behind that. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and then the fad sort of passed. But, um, yeah, one of them is Maelstrom, uh, which was famously written by a schoolboy. Uh, he was actually reasonably competent. Um the most unusual thing about it, my modern standards, is the 16th century setting. It was very much trying to be a real grotty world, yeah. Uh, plus, a uh. bit, plus a bit of magic, which wasn't usually all that effective and relied heavily on uh, how improbable the thing you wanted to happen was. That, we, that was a neat idea and, um, and, ne- and neatly exercised. But yeah, mostly you were trudging along, along the muddy roads of Elizabethan England. Oh. Mud. We used mud. to dream of a muddy road. <laughs> well, when I say mud, there was shit mixed in with it, yes. <laughs> and the other is Dragon Warriors. Uh, Dave Morrison and Oliver Johnson, which we've talked about before. I still like it a lot. There's even a recent recording of me playing it over on uh, Watson Hall. Mm. And I, well, All right, why? why? I, I have a slight enthusiasm for... Maelstrom, but which hasn't actually ever uh, extended into a complete campaign. But I, I like the idea and the execution. So, Whatever so, it is that the old school, old school Renaissance people uh, are getting out of running something like original D and D, I get a mm-hmm. similar feeling with Dragon Warriors. Some of that is nostalgia. I have very good memories of it. I, I didn't perhaps play it to death the way I did D and D, and that may help. Yeah. Um, there's interest to it. There's um, enough flexibility that it's not just the fighter and the wizard. Um, yeah. Enough of a world, uh, particularly. The, the world was what really um, attracted me to it in the first place. It, it's basically, yes, it's fantasy Europe and North Africa and so on, but with a bit of a twist so that, yeah, you, you, you can recognise the countries from where they are on the map. But but you can't exactly predict how they're going to work. Uh, like like Maelstrom, it goes for a certain amount of realism in that you know yes there there are actual peasants and they're actually starving a lot of the time and so on. And when the adventurer yeah, comes like, to town, that that that's a really big event in their lives. Yeah, but uh, unlike unlike Maelstrom, it doesn't make you play the peasant, <laughs> or at least or at least sleep with them. Um, yeah, I I. I, I have absolutely no experience with Dragon Warriors. My experience with Maelstrom is minimal. It's attempting to be swashbuckling. You can tell that by the by the gentleman with the sword on the cover. But 
at the low end of the market. You're not you're not going to be uh, uh, visiting the Cardinal's Guard. You're going to be trudging along in the mud as one of the people. I think the phrase technical phrase is the rogues and vagabonds who uh, who wander about Elizabethan England and are not treated with enthusiasm by anybody much, but especially not the authorities. It, it's it's a, it's interesting. a very this, simple this, this system. This is two years but, before Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay came out. Yeah, you said it was written by a schoolboy. This I did not know at the time. They, they made a big thing of it about it at the time, uh, Alex. And I paid no I attention. Yeah. I mean, I never met him, so. Yeah. It's beautifully put together. In my, it's a ni- it's a nice small piece of work. There is um, some expansion to it, but but not a whole lot. I can't say I'm enthused by the idea of going back and doing it again, but it. Is it strikes me as a, as a very themed um, game and capable of a lot in a very small setting, and possibly of interest. Uh, in the current bundle, there is also Maelstrom Doomsday, which is the um, ten eighty six mm. rejig of the rules. Uh, that that is by uh. Graham Botley of Arian Games, who, who's the publisher for it now. Um, who whom I, a, whom I met during a truly terrible demo session weekend. But he, he's a good bloke. Also raises sheep. <laughs> Let's not get into the sheep, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no. Uh, well, ten eighty six gives you all the mud and uh, being oppressed by Normans instead of instead of the Tudors. What more could you possibly ask for? Well, one could ask for firearms. I think they're. In, I think they may be in the companion. They, they were famously absent from the original book. Because who could afford firearms at that end of society? Well, yeah, it's true. You could always steal one, I suppose. Anyway, uh, both of those are on until the sixth of April. And we commend them to you, our, our great listening public. And since we recorded that, another bundle of holding has come up. They just keep coming. Uh, this one's on solo games, which given the present situation, we thought it might be quite interesting. It's, so. Yeah, it is interesting. There used to be a lot more of these, um, tons of, starting with Tunnels and Trolls back in the day. And yep. the, there was the great um, surge of solo books, which I think is one of the things that led to the conviction that uh, the paperback uh, releases would be a good thing. Uh, fighting fantasy and such like. Yeah, which was never yeah. my hobby. Um, and there were one or two for RuneQuest as well, which I picked up because I was a RuneQuest enthusiast. This lot um, is slightly more diverse, in some ways slightly more old-fashioned. Um, we've got stuff here going back to uh, miniatures gaming um, as a solo hobby, which is odd. I would have thought mm, half the fun. Not entirely odd, but oh, yeah. All right, go on. So, so shall, shall we run through them? Let's go through them. So, Exiles of the Wicked Maze. Yeah, which to me is the sort of dungeon crawl that, crawl that really got supplanted by games like Descent and so on. Yeah, and you 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 have a maze map and it's got icons scattered about it, and if, if, when when you reach this icon, you have an encounter with a monster. When you reach that icon, you you find some treasure, that mm. sort of thing. So you you know roughly what you're going towards, but not the specific details. And yeah, and you're right. This is the sort of thing which would be served by. Um, a board game uh, which ran in in solo mode. It might. I've never actually seen this happen in um, uh, in in fact, but it might work better with a computer game for creating the random dungeon. But but computer games always nowadays seem to have a fixed sort of path through them and an actual world rather. Than ah, you 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 are not familiar with the roguelike, are you? With the which what? Roguelike, uh, because they are broadly in the style of a, the original game called Rogue, uh, where you have a procedurally generated dungeon. All right. And encounters and so on. Let me make a note. Roguelike. All right. Let's uh, see. Five clicks from the zone. Um, Post apocalyptic skirmish. Hmm. And uh, now th- this is what you were talking about miniatures with uh, as a solo game. It does seem to have a very basic AI to run the enemy units. Mm hmm. Um, but it's, you know, if, if they're in cautious mode, then they will mostly take cover and pot at targets when they appear, that sort of thing. Yeah. 
Uh, there's also Five Men at Kursk, which is World War Two, very much the same idea. If you like tanks, yeah. I, th- I think if, if, if you're an infantryman at Kursk, you really don't like tanks, even your own sides. Um, there's an Aces and Eights solo adventure, which um, depends on you actually having Aces and Eights, which if you've been yeah. following um, the bundle of holding, you will have. Uh, numbered paragraphs in, in traditional style. If you do X, go to paragraph three, and so on. Yeah. Uh, Mutant Mega Bloom. What? Which I, I think is pushing the boundaries of what you can call a role-playing game. I mean, it, it's basically a solo board game with a post-apocalyptic setting. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you are encouraged to name your character, but I can't really see... Yeah. Yeah, I... Um, I... I feel less than enthused, it must be said. And the the one that looks most intriguing to me, if, if it, only because it's the most weird, uh, Iron Swarm. Which is um, somebody, it says in the spiel that it's powered by the apocalypse inspired. Yeah, it, it's, it certainly gives that feel to it. Yeah, um, and, and it, it's, it's, it's intended it's to, be, to be a, both um, a... Uh, a, a, a standard uh, role-playing game and a and a solo thing, but it seems to lean towards the solo rather than uh, rather than than uh, face-to-face play. As far as I can see, the the basic approach they're taking here is uh, we we will give you some very rich random generators for encounters and things, hmm. um, but you you then pretty much have to paste them into a story shape yourself. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting, um, but um, yeah, all right, I, I may give it a, may give it a try, if only because I actually like uh, Powered by the Apocalypse. As, uh, uh, also, it's possibly worth mentioning that if if this is the one of these that intrigues you, it is actually freely available. It's it's under Creative Commons. Roger, we want we want the the bundle of holding to keep st- sending. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, you should do that. Yeah. Uh, right. So uh, that, that's that's what you get for the basic package. Um, if you do the beat the price thing, you get the extras. Uh, we've got two solo quests, which appear to be more numbered paragraph stuff, but this is in a fantasy setting, and they do have their own rules with them. Yeah. Two more from Nordic Weasel, that that miniatures guy. So five leagues from the borderlands is is the fantasy. Uh, skirmish and five parsecs from home is the science fiction skirmish. Hmm. I have. If I had a lot of table, if I had a lot of table and a lot of figures, I might feel more enthused by that. But well, back back in the day, Avalon Hill rated their games for solo suitability. This did not mean they had an AI to drive the units. It meant you could play both sides without pretending not to know what the other side was up to. <laughs> um. Well, I suppose that's a fair enough uh, definition of. Um... Uh, of uh, though it though it cuts off a whole la- layer of gaming, it's a fair enough definition of uh, solo capable. Mm. Um, with more and more games uh, written as co-ops and written to be f- to be played against the the engine of the game, then I think that's become rather old-fashioned as as a definition. Well, I, th- I think if, if we were to drift into things which nobody would call a role-playing game, there's an awful lot which is soloable out of the box, whether, whether by design or not. Uh, there's also Ruins of the Undercity, which is a dungeon generator. And who uh, has not had a need of those from time to time? Uh, it's designed for Labyrinth Lord, so on that basis I assume it would work with anything vaguely D&D-like. Yeah. I, uh, there is a strange fascination to using bits of um, role-playing games as solo games. It's uh, notorious, and I can bear witness to it, that generating characters in Traveller was its own little source of fascination. Oh, Traveller had a lot of these, and generating, you know, building starships is, is a, as an optimization game in itself. Running the trade system is an optimization game in itself. Yeah, I'm not sure which of those I find least interesting, but uh, <laughs> there are people who are fascinated by um, things like Eve, in which you are doing nothing but building starships and running trade systems and fighting people, um, which is, you know, I suppose it's fun when when you've got the reflexes, but I haven't. Hey. But anyway, here, here's a bunch of stuff. It, it's definitely not uh, all the same sort of solo. And I, I find the idea of a solo RPG quite strange. Because? Because because that's, well, how is that different from making up a story, really? 
Yeah. <laughs> and if, if, if I'm playing a solo adventure, fair enough. Yeah, that, that, then I, I can go, go against the author's challenges. Um, the, and I, I would mention in passing the Fabled Lands game books are very famous for having rich worlds that you can do stuff in. You can even jump from one book to another. Um, but if you say to me, solo role-playing game, apart from that, you know, something open-ended, Yeah. well, it, it, I start to think, well, probably it's a dungeon bash, really. Hmm. It frequently, I think that's partly because a, anything like this has to be constrained in its possibilities, has to be a closed system, and dungeons are, are easy to railroad, easy to make yep. there be minimal choices there. Now, Iron Sworn does seem to suggest that you should be able to um, push that a bit further and you know, build a narrative and then see if your hero can get through it. Yeah, but that reminds me a little much of uh, Rune, Robin Laws's game about building competitive building dungeons and running through them. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm not saying it isn't fun, um, I'm just saying it is a little strange. That seems fair enough. Well, we do a lot of strange things around here. Let's get on with some of them. One may smile and smile and be a villain. And I've noticed from time to time that most villains do smile a lot. It's um, it's part of the uh, sociopath... Uh, package that you get to be inordinately charming and charismatic, as well as a complete and utter swine. I'm sure there must be un uncharming sociopaths, but uh, you never hear about them. Well, they generally so, don't have, have legions of uh, loyal minions. Uh, so they only charm a specific type of person? Uh, so, yes, if you, if you look up uh, domestic abuse, uh, you will sadly get examples of that, but anyway. Hmm. So... I was looking at a discussion about why precisely are these um, are these uh, uh, robots putting up the death camps for humans on a, on a discussion group, and I thought I must ask Roger that because he's an expert. And I, 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 my... I wrote one of the books regarding this world. Yeah, and uh, uh, and then it expanded in my head to um, why do villains do anything? There, there comes a moment in all too many role-playing games when you have exposed the fiendish plot that the evildoers are working on, and you look at and you look at it and you think, yes, but that makes absolutely no sense. Why are they doing that? If they're barking mad, that's one sort of an excuse. But um, by and large, most of them seem to handle the daily world without referring to their friends, the giant squirrels. And I wondered uh, what makes a person be a villain. And that is our topic for for now. Roger, you have just taken an intake of breath. Exhale well, with words. Oh, that's technically challenging, that is. Um, I think I would start with nobody's sane as a villain in his own mind. If if you if you're waking up in the morning and thinking how shall I be evil today, that that is that is that is its own sort of insanity, and that is not not really a question of motivation beyond that point. Is it insane to say, very well, I shall be a villain? I think so. Yes, at, at least in in those terms. I mean, villainy is to some extent, I think, situational. Hmm. It, it it is a special case of. I want things to be like this. I will therefore take steps to make them like this. I uh, mean, the, you know, you, you, you and I go to the fridge and get a bottle of beer. Uh, the, 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 the evil Dr. Magnetic in, invents a magno ray and robs banks. But Fun, Fundamentally, you know, the motivations are not yeah. that different. Well, the, no, the, the context of, uh, of Dr of Dr. Magno uh, going out with his Magno Ray includes not only the fact that robbing banks is against the law, but also the fact that you could find a thousand and one other uses for a device as ingenious as the Magno Ray and make money legitimately. Well, the, so, this, this is where I refer back to, as I rather too often do, Gerp's Mysteries. 
Okay. Uh, because Gert's Mysteries is written by a criminal defence attorney. That's a very good point. And yes, so, so when Lisa Steele says most motivations for real world crime are boringly mundane, believe oh. her. <laughs> um, yeah, but we... Basically, real world crimes don't make interesting crimes in games. Far, far too often it's I, I want some drugs and the, the easiest way I can think of to get them is to steal some money from somebody or something of yeah. that sort and when most criminals try to be ingenious it does turn out to be deeply stupid so perhaps we shouldn't be surprised when it happen, the, the same thing happens with super villains now we... I, I would say stupid criminals are for the I can't remember it, it comes into uh, Robin Law's beat analysis but basically, yeah. the relatively easy victory so the PCs can feel good about themselves beat. Mm. Oh, I see what you mean. So uh, it, it, it's a good change of pace from a campaign of going up against really competent villains. Uh, but but I don't think it makes a campaign in itself. I mean, even if you had a street level cops campaign, it would get boring. Yeah, but the uh, the problem is that you want to. We uh, players want to. I want to have villains on a scale which they you don't normally get in real life. You want villains who have um, how can I put it? Villains who have have ambition and 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 do things that will really affect affect the world. Things that are so insane that if you took them to the authorities, they would laugh at you. Laugh at you, I tell you. And therefore, you have to tackle it on your own. And honestly, the trying to get that, some of the schemes to make sense doesn't really work. I mean, would you want to invade Russia in the winter? Well, usually I'm on a slightly smaller scale than that. Uh, the, the, the temptation to talk about one of the secrets in my World War Two game is, is almost overwhelming, but only almost. Um mm. What, very often, what I start with, if if, I, if I'm running an investigative game in the first place, which I usually am, yeah, I start with okay, we've we've got this villain, and let let's say it's a hidden magic game, yeah. So the villain ha- has some sort of magical ability. Hmm. They have a goal, yeah. and they have a plan, which at least in their minds will get them to that goal. Now they they may it may not be a complete plan, but. Hmm. The approach I like to take is if the PCs weren't there, they would get what they want. Yeah. Or at least plaus- Trouble- or at least plausibly get what they want. Trouble is that I think one of the, the problems I find when I'm being a player is that many GMs, and I'm, I'm as sin- sin- sinning in this as anybody, start with the immediate effect and then worry about the... Um, about the the motivation and the means later. Well, that, lo- that's that's the I, next step. You see, uh, have, having got the villainous plan, yeah. Um, that let's say there are three steps to it. You know, get resource A, use resource A to get resource B, rule the world, whatever. Mm. Put some sort of loose schedule on that. You know, it's going to take about six weeks to do this. Yeah, and then um, look at the side effects. So, you know, I, I, I need three litres of cerebrospinal fluid. The obvious way to do that is to take it from people who aren't going to be missed. Yeah. You don't want healthy cerebrospinal fluid, do you? No. Um, and so one way that might show up is, is people who, who've, you know, let, let's be traditional about this and, and, and uh, grab some street people whom nobody really cares about. Yeah. Because uh, that that also lets the PCs be heroic because they they notice the pattern of hang on a minute they they have they have strange punctures in the backs of their necks and the the pathologist is is, is uh, making sanity checks because why why would this happen I mean there's no disease that does this <laughs> there are drills that do that but no disease uh, and that that then says okay well mm. now we've got a connection um, yeah we're d- we're drifting away from. All right. What in that? We're drifting away from the topic, which is the yeah, psychology but, but of the. Yeah, but the thing is, by by the time the PCs have have solved that mystery, 
And yes, granted, this is in the in the service of generating a mystery scenario. The villain's plan is at the back of all that, and everything that they have found out about that wasn't a red herring was mm. in service of the villain's plan. It's a plan that makes sense. Right. Yeah, does it, though? What, what motivation drives somebody towards digging out obscure information that will... Hmm. Actually, actually, since I have sympathy with wanting to live forever, especially just at the moment, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I can condemn that. Um, that partic- uh, what about taking over the world? That is the traditional one. Oh, I, 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 I think I, we've all been tempted. Many, yeah. many of us then say, oh, well, hang on, it would be far too much work. True, laziness saves us from a lot of world dictators. I could, I could only wish that some of, some of our current crop were a bit slight, oh, a, tri- a trifle more lazy. But, you know, it, it could be this person I care about is very ill and, and um, only the right sort of magic will save their lives, therefore I'm going to dig in a lot of obscure books. Mm. Yeah. Or if you're in the well, US, I need a lot of money to get the right sort of medicine to save their lives. Or, you know. That, that, yes, that, uh, that, that too is perfectly... It's, it's, it's obsessive, but re- reasonable. I was going to say that world conquerors, it strikes me, uh, come from, in some cases, the desire to be a hero. If you want to see yourself as the the saviour of the world from all um, all its current ills, then the, then deep, deep supervillainy is the next... Uh, logical step, assuming that you're capable of it. Well, this this is why I say it's situational. I mean, a, a, a world ruled by Dr. Magnetic might in fact be a much better place, but... Do- Dr. Do- Dr. Doom is high on the on the world dictator's appreciation this day. I mean, but, but, yeah, even contentment if... among Latvarians is, is, is rated very high. The thing is, anybody who is trying to trying to displace existing governments will be, will be regarded as a villain by those governments. True. However actually genuinely good or evil they might happen to be hmm. have you noticed that um, that alleging your opponents is a supervillain has got more popular over our lifetime it's no longer i i disagree with the right honorable gentleman on a number of points it's that if this man is elected the things will go down the sewer instantly mm-hmm. i don't understand it to be perfectly honest but um well, when it works, you have, you have to keep doing it more, and eventually you, you get uh, everybody on our side is wonderful, everybody on their side is a devil. Mm. I think, and I think, and, it, and elections come down to whom can you actually wheel out to, to vote on the day, rather than persuading people of anything. True that. Okay, are there other types of well, they're wanting to thinking you're the only one who can save the world is clearly the the sin of pride. Um, are, are there other types of uh, of supervillain motivation? Of, of all right, of course, of of high level, a really ludicrously unlikely villain uh, motivation. I think to be fair, panache should be considered a part of it. And if if you are a reasonably reasonably smart and moderately educated person, and you want to make a lot of money, and you have a very loose sense of ethics, there are yeah. many professions which will accommodate you entirely legally. To mention the legal profession only, and, um, yeah, but even, no, that, that's work. Get get into some some of the aspects of share dealing, um, and you can make vastly too much money. And, legally, yes. Oh, I must be doing it wrong, and or, or um, I have people who do it wrong for me. Oh well, there's your problem, because uh, <laughs> you've got to pay them as well. True, but the person who comes up against the PCs is somebody yeah. who has not taken that route. No, he's done something... So, so for whatever reason, um, he, he's decided to do something else instead. Now, why, why traditional... Why people become drug dealers, for example, very uh, very often is they, they've got no money. Poss- possibly they don't have the education to get, to get into the legal sorts of dodginess anyway. 
Um, But a lot of the time they believe they will make big money and pull themselves out of the pit they're in, and most of them don't. There's only room for one big drug dealer per area, and most most of the rest are living in their mum's flats. Yeah, which is why... Uh, which is why the drug dealing is difficult to make a safe and stable profession out of, because eventually it's going to strike even the dimmest of them down the down the line that uh, they'd be they'd be a much better bigger Mister Big than uh, any anyone else. This is also I, one problem with problems with the Silk Road, the uh, on, online drug market, among other things. Yeah, um, there there was a huge and complicated system for vendor reputation. But most vendors didn't actually care because they weren't planning to build a stable business to pass down to their children. They were, they were planning to do you know two or three deals and then vanish. Yeah, except yeah, there in Freakonomics there is um, a, a an embarrassing to me comparison between uh, the tactics of a drug dealer and the tactics of somebody who goes into the theatre. We are both uh, hoping to make it big. Um, or in a profession where most people don't. I'd say the same is probably true of going into sports full-time. Except that with sports you have um, a definite limit on your effective lifespan, the the space of time that you can uh, get to become famous and uh, eventually end up as a commentator. Whereas with actors, if you become more decrepit, you just become more charming. (laughs) At least that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But uh, to, to come back to the panache thing, it seems mm. to me what one reason not, not to be a boring share dealer is because it's not much fun unless you're the exact right sort of person who, who enjoys getting one over on everybody all the time. Yeah. Um, and let's face it, robbing banks with a magno ray is probably a lot more fun than that. All right, that is another uh, that is another form of, of villain mo- moti- motivation, the thrill seeker, the person who um, who has something to prove and has to prove it on a regular basis, so that they get the rush that comes with um, with achie- achievement. You'll you'll find the the same thing in a more um, uh, refined form amongst uh, amongst share dealers as well as drug dealers. But um, well, the share dealers usually have cocaine instead. Yeah, I, 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 when cocaine is mentioned, I have to, I have to use Robin Williams' line: "A drug that makes you impotent and paranoid." Wee. <laughs> yeah, apparently um, the new plastic twenty-pound notes have uh, interesting characteristics. You know, they're, they're much smoother, so you get more of a dose, and and they don't they don't get um, doused in it the way yeah. the paper ones. And do. you and you can if you care, you can wash the the dope off afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think role-playing games tend to be at least a bit escapist. Yeah. Um, and so why shouldn't the villains be a bit escapist too? It's... I don't know what I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying here, except that too often in games, I've come across the end of the game and the explanation, and I've thought... Hang on, that can't be right. Nobody would do that. It's just no. I, I, I mean, the the Joker. All right, we understand. We think we understand the uh, the 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 Joker. He is flamboyantly, uh, cruelly, um, and interestingly mad. Um, and 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 all the other Batman um, uh, villains who are who are barking. But on the other hand. You come across a perfectly mundane villain in a fairly mundane world, and at the end of the day, everything he's done doesn't doesn't make any sense from a psychological or a practical point of view. And I want to change from that. Yeah, um, I read quite a lot of detective stories. Yeah, I know this. And see his blog, Reverend Listers. One of the things that uh, comes in there is. It's usually a sign of a good story that the villain's plan is one that makes sense. And it doesn't mean it would necessarily work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the very least, he has to believe that Auntie has left him all her money in her will and, that, and, mm. and is about to change that, so now is a good time to bump her off. Yeah. Um... And it may not be true, but you know, in, in his mind, that is a plan that will work. 
Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a Dorothy L. Sayers plot, isn't it? The the one with the the injections. It's quite a lot of plots. Now that 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 was because of the um, change in the law. Yeah. And I didn't didn't to confuse them in in a um, law course I was doing when, when I knew exactly which bit of not only which bit of legislation they'd suddenly started talking about, but why it was significant and which story was written about it. <laughs> Nobody reads Sayers anymore. I do, I do. I've even I've even read, read the terrible um, sequels somebody's written. <sighs> They're not that all right. They're not very yeah. good. She hasn't she good. hasn't got the voice. Not quite. No. Nor the social interactions. Yeah. Nor yeah, yeah, no. They 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 will not be in the uh, in the in in the show notes. You can dig them out for yourself if you want. Other sorts. What sort of villains? If we can't uh, uh, make our villains um, believable, can we make them more interesting? What sort of um, motivation for villainy works best in our sort of fantasy? Give me a situation. Um, a body is found in the middle of a snow-covered field, um, spread out, and there is no sign of how it got there. I, I was thinking more more of the. Uh, okay, All right, sorry. Let, 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 let's start there. Um, I mean, the obvious thing is it was dropped there. Yes. So why why would somebody drop it there? Um, I, give give me a tech level. Current modern day. Okay, so it's probably been dropped out of an aircraft. Uh-huh. So why why has somebody been dropped out of an aircraft? Because they had an argument while they were in the aircraft. Uh, because because they were killed beforehand and the aircraft was conveniently available. Hmm. Um, it, it seemed like a good idea to somebody, or it was an accident. Right. Yes, that, uh, it seemed like a... Uh, you're going to have to make it more complicated than that. All right, somebody is... Um, somebody is stealing the supplies of a particular singular drug. Um, from uh, warehouses and pharmacies, they haven't. They have a non-standard use for it, legitimate or not. Um, but mm. they they need enough of it, uh, particularly if it, if it's something that's at least mild. If it's at least mildly controlled, prescription only, or one of those things in the states where you can theoretically buy it, but you have to put your name down in a book, and they're going to check check up on you if you if you get too much. Yeah. Uh, they, they've got a use for it, which may, may or may not be villainous, but because they need a lot of it, they, they cannot get it by legal means. Okay, let's be... Somebody has coated the uh, Nelson's con with batter. The stars are right. They are, they are, ex- they are expecting the great beast to be summoned, and they want to distract it a bit. Um... Yes, right. I think that's probably, yeah, there's a certain absurdism in that. Um, or, or, or they're wanting to f- feed their pet stone drake. I was going to say, uh, how about, uh, I mentioned pride earlier, lust, lust leads to rape, uh, gluttony... That's arguable. Uh, uh, lust certainly, certainly leads to um, unfortunate accidents to the existing partner. The existing what? Partner. Yeah. Um, lust leads to lust. I'm trying. I'm trying to go. Uh, since I did pride, I'm trying to. Gluttony isn't really the cause of most criminal offences. Well, in, in, insofar as it is, it's mostly going to be quite a localised one. Wrath is all too easily, um, uh, all too easily uh, understandable as a motive for things. Um, and it... It's rarely interesting. Yeah. And to, to go back to the mystery stories for a bit, to, to me, one of the most unsatisfying solutions is a loony did it for loony reasons. Yeah, that's true. Um, unfortunately, uh, Roth isn't technically regarded as a loony thing. It's a temptation that's open to just about them. Yeah, that's but but it's not interesting. Hmm. And if, right. effectively, this is I temporarily lost my presence of mind, and I'm going to be I'm going to be quite normal when interviewed by the police and so on. 
otherwise it's mm. open and shut. Yeah. At which point the interview you get is not really indicative of the character and the, it's it's less fun. It can, can be good. I mean, it, it could be mm. I already had a beef with this person and they suddenly tipped me over the edge. Yeah, I think Roth only gets interesting when it sustained, uh, hidden, sustained, and elaborated in some way. You want a vengeance that is um, realised over over time. Yes, there is a good and interesting motivation, vengeance, because it isn't um, it isn't rational, but it is intense and explicable. Yeah, the, the death doesn't get the perpetrator anything other than the death. Yeah. Therefore, um, therefore, there isn't a pointer that says, hey, he's just inherited a lot of money or whatever. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a crime that requires you to dig backwards into the past. Um, and it's useful for the sort of victim, uh, assuming we're talking about murder, who a lot of people have grounds to hate. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 structure of a lot of mysteries is here's a despicable person who's dead. All of these people had a reason to kill him, and all of them could. Which one of them must it have been? Yeah, because of the situation, or because which one of them is the right sort of person who would actually have done something about it? Well, I think I think that's it, uh, I either can make a satisfying mystery. Well, I th- I think finding the right sort of person. Hmm, I'm not sure. I think I think most people can go off the deep end. Um, uh, we do not. It's not like um, I was reading. Um, I was reading uh, Blue Rose um, just to see what the fuss was about, and it's not like in that where they have two things which will tell you once in a lifetime that yes, this person is pure. No guaranteeing for the rest of their lifetime, but at the point of the test. Uh, this person is pure and worthy. We don't have that, and I'm not sure it would work on anybody real at all anyway. We're Sorry, I'm, I may be getting into theology there. Well, surely, pa, pa, in, in a conventional Christian approach, part of the point is that only God can judge. Yeah. And, and the, the implication of that is, is that nobody else can say, absolutely, this is a good person. This is a bad person. Mm. The the uh, two uh, MacGuffins um, that, that that work in Blue Rose are approaching godlike levels, um, at least in one case, but um, uh, but aren't quite and aren't perfect. And it's interesting that they have to bring that in in order to make. Um, Adventures work in the uh, in the in the game universe. People feel oppressed. I'm not sure. I don't feel oppressed myself by the idea of a provable objective um, morality, and that's one of the things that um, uh, that caused so much wrath. I think um, in blue at Blue Rose first edition that uh, in the in the game uh, fiction. You could prove that this was right and that was wrong. People want there to be some leeway in the real world. Yeah, like uh, D and D's detect good, detect evil, no alignment, all the rest of it. Yeah, it, um, it, it's much uh, more interesting if you can't simply say, right, cast this spell on everybody, and the one who glows red is the villain. Yeah, it's more interesting if you. Um, hmm. I haven't I haven't avoided mind reading spells in my fantasy games, but they are under legal qualifications that only the law courts get to do it, and only if you've proved a case up to a certain point. And you know how yeah. reliable eyewitness accounts are anyway. True. But yeah, I I, I uh, is it is it going to spoil things for everybody for just about everybody if. If good and evil are clear and or, and well defined and easy, I don't think I don't out. think you get a recognisable society anymore. Yeah, um, I, and one of the problems I think with um, Blue Rose is it, it isn't that recognisable. Hmm. 
it's it's a it's a very odd um i think it also has problems with americans because americans have an assumption about um the fallibility of human authorities built into their legal system i'm not saying it's not justified but um it, it is it goes so strong as to it is so strong as to promote a belief in the necessary corruption of all human authority and to say that one human authority at least is doing something halfway right is something I think that they would resist and find oppressive. Well, this I think this comes back to the, the Dungeon Bash slash Western approach that yeah. I, either the authorities aren't there or they are useless and this is necessary because mm. then the lone hero can do something. Which which is what which is the shape of the story you've decided you want to tell, and ju- just as in much fantasy for children, the, there is the problem of how do we get the parents out of the way or the authority figures, whatever they may be, so yeah. that the children can go and have their adventure. Whereas uh, Blue Rose, one of the things you want to become is an agent of the crown, a trusted uh, noble agent of the crown who gets to use all the uh, all the special stuff, and there isn't any of the um, inevitability of corruption that there is in oh at the other extreme delta green we're all corrupt but some 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 of us are corrupt in useful ways yeah <sighs> villainy amongst um amongst public officials is another interesting topic and perhaps one that we should explore at another time i don't think we've got very far with this one roger we've got a lot well, of interesting stuff out of it lo- looking but... back to reign of steel as, as you originally mentioned um yeah my, my answer to the slave camps is force multipliers you know you you can build a robot and it can let us say yeah. s- strip a ruined building for useful metals yeah or you can build a guard robot and it can supervise 10 humans stripping a building for useful metals the uh, the the robot the the stripping robot would be more expensive. You're saying the guard robot is probably more expensive because it needs the armor and weapons and a bit more intelligence and so on, but it hmm. can supervise a lot more humans. Unreliable components, humans. Yeah, but easily replaced. Not not so much if you're keeping them all in slave camps, really. Ah, uh, humans going to breed. Mm. The the yeah one of the problems. Um, with uh, with Reign of Steel and and up to a point with Termination Shock, which is something I'm reading at the moment, is uh, is explaining the motives of really inhuman intelligences, especially if they are more powerful than uh, normal humans and are are one of, if not villains, at least one of the problems that the humans have to face. That, I mean, they are the, the the big insane villains in in Reign of Steel. One of the things I very much like about Reign of Steel is they don't all have the same motivations. Yeah. I mean, they they are they are all in broad agreement that that the place of AIs is in charge of humans. Um, but some some of them feel that humans have no particular residual value and should be exterminated. Some of them think they're useful workers. Some of them think they're basically yeah don't really care about them as long as they stay out of my way. And the, yeah. and and there are various other attitudes which which are which differ between the various AIs of that world, which which thus produce quite different um, environments in different zones. I'm not sure. I've not followed any of the later incarnations of the Terminator series. Do they find themselves um, forced to uh, to, in, uh, to create heresies amongst the followers of Skynet? I Just don't know. The, the, the last one I saw was number three, and I've got to say I wasn't super impressed with that. I'll probably catch up at some point. But mm. Yeah, but if if the villains have disagreements amongst themselves, then you can... Um, then, then you, no matter how puny you are, can believably exploit that. Yes, and that also makes them more interesting. True. And mo- if, monolithic villains are boring and the thing I, when I was running a lot of dark conspiracy in the nineties, um, key insight I got there was it's it's not MI five is out to get you, it's a faction within MI five is out to get you, and they have they have to work within the constraints of not being mm. obviously rogue. Yeah. So you know they they have some 
uh, useful powers, but they have to be they're limited in how they use them. There, well, well, there you have um, another example of the sin of pride of, of believing you are the only ones who can save the world, and you don't have to explain it to the minister or anybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you start out in a position where you are defined as one of the good guys. And we come back to distrust of authority, which is another theme, ongoing theme from the 1990s. Well, part, part of the problem is that, at least for some people, distrust of authority means we don't like the organisation, we do like the one strong guy. And when the one strong guy is the authority, that, that uh, can lead to some inconsistencies, let's say. Hmm. Let's pass on. Last time we talked about disease, and the disease hasn't gone away, of course, but something that many people are discovering is the joy of isolation. Yeah, as we revel in the joys of isolation. Um, I'm not that joyous at the moment, Roger, and I've got a comfortable little uh, little hermit cell here. Uh, for me, it makes pretty very little difference, but uh, such is life, such is life. I was already full-time working from home before this started. Um, so, w- one thing I, sh- I, I would like to mention, first of all, uh, it, it's a very indie game, and it's not really my usual style. Um, but Raphael Chandler's View Scream, uh, of which version one is free and version two, I think, is payware, uh, is is a design for video conference play. So, for example, you, you each of you is somebody stuck in their individual section of a damaged spaceship. You know, yeah. One of you is the engineer, one of you is the medic, that sort of thing. Um, and try, trying to solve each other's problems or not, as the case may be, and it's 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 got that whole indie mid 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 game twist, and you you have to do bad things in order to get effects of good things and so on. But the the idea I, I think is very nice. I just don't like the implementation. Well, the the trouble with uh, with isolation is that most uh, games aren't are written for are written for a team. Even even your your last example is really cheating, um, and you're trying to. Well, um, be, being fair, um, I, I know a lot of groups have simply moved online. They're probably not hmm. going to stay there once we can meet in person again. But uh, that, that seems no. to be a reasonably practicable thing for most of us, at least in this country, to do. Yeah, um, I was thinking that uh, another example of of uh, of isolation but with with a with a team behind it uh was a, a black a bluebeard's bride mm. because you are playing in turn you are playing aspects of the same character with um with the non-active players being the um uh, being the uh, being the subconscious voices mm-hmm. and other aspects of the personality which are chiming in to make suggestions and cause trouble that we could we could go um a bit more over the top with that i and and have uh have games in which you're looking at a group of in isolated individuals and when you're not being the focused player you are the evil uh people the enemies the tormentors of the of the mm. whether inside their head or out I assume didn't Wraith do that? The White Wolf, Wraith the Oblivion. Wraith did it. Wraith, Wraith did it. I, that, I think that's where I'm stealing this from. Wraith did it with just one uh, uh, of the other players being your um, shadow, the uh, uh, the aspect that uh, the, uh, that uh, you don't want to be in charge. Uh, the void to the Sentinel. There, there's a, a geeky reference for you. Mm. And uh, and and I think you could possibly expand that, but fundamentally, from the start, most role-playing games have been about a team of heroes. It's it's what we've given to uh, Western literature or re-emphasised in Western literature: the group of disparate um, uh, people rather than the lone hero. Yeah, and. 
I think you're fighting when you when you're trying to make a um, uh, a game about people being on their own. You're fighting against the the history of the of the genre. Yeah. On the other hand, I think it can be a useful tool. I'm I'm not suggesting it should be the the sole story approach. Um, though though we we've, we've looked at one on one games mm. before, and I think there's potential there. I'm thinking more um, some something that happens in quite a lot of team um, TV shows. Yeah, yeah. Your, your, your CSIs and such like. You've got somebody who's an expert in a particular thing and is the obvious right person to, to do a particular task. And yeah. then, for whatever reason, somebody else has to, has to be the one who's physically there to do the task. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I'm in bed with both my legs broken. But you can do this. You can land that plane. Or the the only person who can get to the control room is, is somebody who can fit through the air duct. And, and, I'm, and the, the techie is then going to have to talk them through uh, disarming the mad computer. Yeah, and, uh, and, and th- this gives dramatic opportunities on both sides. I mean, it's not something that a lot of games deal with because games are mostly about the individual hero doing a thing. Um, mm. But I think there is potential there for tension on on both ends. You know, I can can I explain and visualize this well enough without actually seeing what's going on on the one side, and on the other side, can I follow the instructions well enough and quickly enough? And, yeah. and describe what's going on. I'm not sure how you would uh, actually doing this online would make that uh, a lot realer. Well, that that, that was more... why it, was occur- it occurred to me because it's it's that distancing. I mean, yes, this this is a quite a good video conference system we're using, but I, I'm still I'm never unaware that you are somewhere else. True, and uh, well. Actually, what we should be asking at this in this time of isolation is what we can do with the the means that we're 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 turning to that is unique to the form. And I have not a single idea in my head, but that seems to me to be the question: What are the things that doing things remotely can make better? As I say, I don't have a single idea in my head. <laughs> There's a technical limitation, um, at, at mm. least on Google Hangouts, which is what we're using, which is that when two or three people speak over each other, uh, it, it becomes completely incomprehensible. Yeah. Uh, so people have to have to get the habit of taking turns and backing off when somebody else is speaking in a way that you you, you can you can model through face to face. Um, now, wh- whether that should lead to shorter speeches or longer ones, I don't know. Mm. I-, I could justify either, I suspect. Maybe. Um, it's going to make life for the GM a lot harder. The GM's going to have to do a lot more, you know, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and control the conversation. And cut off the uh, the side conversations. Side conversations should go to text um, rather than interrupt the the flow of whoever's actually speaking. Well, pausing to type and read does does interrupt the flow anyway of the game if the GM's involved. Well, I'm I'm assuming the that side conversations happen between people oh, okay. who are not the G, not the GM Fair because enough. they they are going to want to discuss the availability of aluminium in 1895. <laughs> just because, just because they can really, um, or uh, or or the precise um, uh, number of reindeer in Lapland, you know, uh, it, it, it's just something that that attracts their their butterfly like minds. Uh, some, something I've noticed, and I've, as you know, but you've been you've been there. I've been doing online gaming for some of my gaming for a while, but yeah. um, the the other groups I'm playing with have now moved online as well. And it is much easier to do a rotation of combat round. You know, each uh, e- each yeah. each player gets one action. Um, yes. When, when each player is a box on my screen reminding me that they're all still there, rather um, w- at the same moment as I am looking at the person who is talking. Now, this, this, yeah, I, this may just be a weirdness of the way I see people, but it, that 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 seems to me to remind me of their presence more than a room full of people, all of them roughly the same size. Hmm. I think. Hmm. 
I think one of the things that systems like this could use is um, is an emphasis on I am talking to you now, or some some sort of visual thing that allows people to be clear that they are being talked at. Yeah, that, that's the thing we've developed in Watson Hall, uh, that, that the GM will start by saying, character name, what are you doing, or yeah, what, yeah. You, you perceive this, or whatever. Um, which, yeah, face-to-face, I will typically just nod at a particular person. Well, I have a blind player in my Wednesday night group, and we do have to take special care to make sure this is this is applying to him and mm-hmm. uh, not to others so so maybe we're a little more conscientious and aware of that first place i, I, I suspect gonna, a I, deaf player might be harder to deal with in that regard well i think yeah a deaf player or, or let, let's say a, a hard of hearing you have to, you can make accommodations rather than having to play entirely by text but yeah you know. i have never actually encountered a deaf player yet mm, so yeah Hard, hard of hearing. I, I will, I will plead guilty to myself. But, um, uh, uh, but de- actually, deaf? No, not yet. Hmm. I would suspect they would move to uh, text only. Um, and at some stage in this emergency, I really must do something about uh, organising something play by post, rather than uh, people chatting at each other. Well, there's a lovely forum system that I'm running, which you, in which you would be entirely welcome to do this. Uh-huh. I'll think about that. It even has a dice roller. <laughs> this is necessary. Um, I I was shocked to find somebody coming up with a, a dice roller we could use for the uh, Wednesday night, night games. It's really quite good. Um, I can't remember what it's called. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> the uh, one thing I was thinking was that maybe in some games we want to... Uh, Enforce the equivalent of the 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 speak. I have the speaking stick now, mm. um, um, and passing it around. And um, I seem to recall that um, the mechanics of Marvel Super Marvel heroic role playing uh, did that to a certain degree because you've got to nominate who the next person in the initial sequence was when it was your turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, the GM the GM had super interrupt powers. There are possible technical solutions to this uh, with uh, with other platforms. Uh, Zoom, for example, which is even more closed and proprietary and spying on you than Google, which takes some doing. Uh, but that that rather than a peer to peer model, that that has a host, a specific host for the meeting, and that host has the power to mute and unmute other uh, participants. Yeah, you, well, you, they they'd have to be very much on on their game to avoid just denying people speech. But if if you had something with fairly strict construction and you know now now it's X's turn that they get to do their thing hmm. uh, as a major part yeah. of the game, then that that could be worth doing. I'm told I'm told that uh, that Zoom is currently subscribed to the Hilt, and I'm not really <laughs> deeply surprised by that. I, I'm surprised that uh, Discord is is um, isn't uh, having access problems, but they they're. Maybe they have more servers distributed around the world. Well, you can run your own Discord server as yeah. well. And at least some people are doing this. Fair enough. Um, I'm sure there are opportunities as well as problems in the in the current situation. I should be letting myself be motivated to run um, more stuff because, you know, I can't get out. Mm. Um and uh, I'm sort of thinking about doing something with Termination Shop, perhaps, but um, we're, we're, because because it's a weird uh, dice mechanism and a weird setting, and I know my uh, my both my current groups have at least one player going to say, "Well, I don't know, I don't know about that sort of thing." Mm. So I will um, I, I will maybe go out and try and find people. Which will be, you know, the, the a shock for my eternal system. problem. Yeah, there, there are obvious opportunities for for those those who have already stockpiled, for example, toilet roll, hand sanitizer, and other things that people want. But uh, I, don't, I don't think that I, really transfers to gaming. I'm not putting up a prize role playing game. <laughs> I'm, I'm finding it quite an odd situation at the moment because 
many of my friends are saying, right, I'm I'm now working from home for the first time, um, particularly the ones who, who aren't also looking after children. I've got all this extra time for gaming, and I'm thinking, yeah, I don't, because I'm already using it for other gaming. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Waffle, Waffle expands to fill all the time available to it, as we have proved so generously over the years. <laughs> If you have cunning plans for the duration of the uh, current emergency... Strictly an emergency measure. How do you measure an emergency? Um, Then we'd love to hear hear about them. We may even steal them from you. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, then you can do it via... Uh, Email podcast at tekeli.ly or more easily just leave a comment on the website. I'm assuming that human civilization hasn't collapsed in the meantime... Or at least the bits that's collapsed hasn't reached uh, South Buckinghamshire. We'll be with you in another month's time. I, for one, salute our new Woodlouse overlords. <laughs>